Welcome to the Bros and Blokes Lifestyle Academy. What's up, guys? James here. Welcome to our third official seasonal mixer. Fans of the show will know the drill, but for those new here, this is the episode where we bring together some of those hand-picked highlights from our most recent season. For your listening enjoyment, we've collected those key moments from episodes on fitness, adulting, hobbies, and gaming. At the end of the mixer, don't forget to check out the show notes to learn which episode features each clip. And if you haven't already, go ahead and drop us a follow on all those favorite social media accounts, at Bros and Blokes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So let's get to it. In our first section, we learn from a 46-year-old fitness veteran about those key tips to fitness success. I share some unique British traditions on Christmas. And Brendan Kurumarasari leads us through a seminar in public speaking. In the beginning, when I was motivated by, like you said, the aesthetics, when I was motivated by looking great, chasing girls, it was funny because even though those are the things I thought I wanted, I didn't really feel comfortable. I wasn't, something was missing. Like I was, there was like this void that I was trying to, and it was almost like I thought that getting those six pack abs or looking awesome or like getting the girl was going to fill this void that I was feeling inside myself. But it was funny because I've always known from an earlier age <clears throat> that I was going to be a, a family man. I knew that, but like, I would, I like, I love my friends. Don't get me wrong. You know, I love the dudes that I hung out with and that was a good time, but I just felt like I got to a point in my life where I needed to grow. So, I, I struggled with that. I struggled with, um, first off, focusing on what I thought was the right path for me and what was actually the right path for me and listening to that voice and being like, Mike, just, you know, don't listen to that guy. Just keep being a dude and keep doing your thing and, and keep going to the parties that you really don't want to go to and all this sort of, let's just keep doing that. So when my, my current wife, Amy, and I got together, you know, and, and, you know, things started to move forward, like things just started to feel more genuine and natural for me. Mm. So like, when it comes to some of the struggles, it was never a struggle physically. That's the thing is, that's why I focus so much on mindset, because it was never about if I was going to the gym or, or I, sh I need to go to the gym. It was about why I was doing it. Mm. It was more about that. So as we started to get together, and you know, things like I said, things started to get more serious and we got married and we had our first child, then things just it just felt natural. Like it was mm -hmm. like that void was gone mm -hmm. or it was starting to diminish, right? And and I think for the most part, I tell people all the time when they look at like my before and after pictures, if we're looking at, you know, the visual of a transformation in the fitness industry, is that the biggest transformation there was in my mind. Mm. It was not in my, my body was the byproduct of that change. And a big part of that was thinking about being like you were saying, being more health conscious. Right. So it was like, how are you eating? Are you eating better? Are you, you know, are you actually healthy? Not looking at you visually, but are you actually healthy? So it was just that sort mm -hmm. of stuff and that motivation of, of my children and that sort of thing 
just kind of pushed me towards just being better. Mm -hmm. Okay, you, you just talked about it, Santa. Okay, we yeah, call, we call we call Santa. Santa, Santa, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I think the U.S. version of of Old Saint Nick. That's it, right? That that's a traditional Santa Claus with the Coca Cola. Boom, you got it. Mm -hmm. You guys, on the other hand, yeah, 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 yeah. Father Christmas. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a, that's that's a lot of words. He is the f literal father. Of, of Christmas. Christmas. I mean, it makes sense. He is the man who delivers the, the toys to the children. He oversees the holiday period, the joyful tidings. Now, what's interesting, though, is like, yeah, we both agree. Well, I say agree, but the, the origins of Santa Claus, St. Nick, you know, that's we all kind of have that same, you know, idea. That's where he came from, Western civilization, blah, blah, blah. But Santa Claus, isn't that like a Danish? Like the name itself, Santa Claus. I just think it's really weird that you're arranged Santa and it spells Satan. I think that's kind of, <laughs> and he wears a red suit. And I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. Well, Satan Claus. But yeah. Claus. Yeah. I, I mean, Father Christmas, that's not terrible. That's it's not, not terrible. I'm not, like, that one doesn't bother me as much as the North Pole okay, yep. differences yep. bother me. Like that one. So Santa, uniquely yeah. So Santa in the U.S. comes from the the North Pole, sure. you know, very literal. So what what did you learn from your research that the <laughs> yeah? So here in the states, we call the North Pole the North Pole. The North Pole, yeah, yeah. yeah Santa true. Claus, he's from yep. the North Pole. Santa North Claus Pole. is not from Lapland. What is Lapland? <laughs> Lap, explain this to me. Like I don't understand the Lapland. Like who? I understand we sit on Santa's lap. And tell them what we want for Christmas. Is that where that came from? Is that a thing? Is that is that like where it spawned? I it sounds like you mm. I, I thought mm. I had all the bases covered here with with certain questions that I knew you were gonna throw at me. Well, but it sounds like we got home plate covered with the old lap. <laughs> you got me <laughs> with lap land. Land the laps. <laughs> because actually, funny enough, growing up, that's what I knew it to be called. Like yeah. he was from Lapland. <laughs> but when you think about it now as a fully grown adult. How on earth did Lapland yeah. come to be? Who, like, is who, it a place? It must who be. Who coined that? Who coined it? Is yeah. it a place? It must be. Like, again, I should know this, but it maybe it's a place in the North Pole. Like, right. sure, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Like the it's district a, of Lapland. Like, maybe that's a thing. So the tip is the puzzle method. Public speaking, James, is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those things you do with your family, those thousand-piece puzzles you kind of put together? So if I asked you, if you're working on a puzzle, and don't worry, it's not a trick question, which pieces would you start with first and why? I would say, it's funny you ask this because I actually did a jigsaw very recently. Yes, and I actually, that's always a good sign. Well, so my wife and I did one together, and she starts. she always starts with the edges. That's her go-to. I always start with the bold, like, visuals within the jigsaw. So there was, you know, in this particular one, there was a big red car. So I immediately went to that because I knew it was big. It was very detailed. And so I knew I could just knock that out. And I did. Um, but for me, that's where I start. And that's where my wife starts. And we always leave the sky until last. So I don't know if that helps. Right, it does help because okay. the wife is always right. So let's follow your wife's <laughs> logic because that's the logic I wanted to go into. So it works out for everybody. Okay. Right. So your wife's answer is the one that most people give. Though I like yours, very creative. But the question is, 
why don't we do that in public speaking? Why don't we start with the edges first? Every presentation, James, whether it's at work, school, or anything, goes something like this. We start with the middle pieces. We shove a bunch of content, shove, 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 shove. Start the car pieces, we put everything in. Then we realize there's a sky and there's a, a moon and a bunch of stuff. And you don't get everything together. You get to the presentation tomorrow. And it sounds something like this. You kind of ramble through everything. You get to the last slide. And it sounds something like this. Uh, so, thanks. That's probably 95% of the presentations I hear. And the great news to all of this is there's an easy fix. Treat your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. More specifically, your wife's methodology of how to <laughs> conquer a jigsaw puzzle, which is start with the edges first. Practice your introduction 50 times, not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. It's actually not that hard. It'll take you an hour, right? Each introduction is like one, two minutes. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with the terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing. Conclusion, 50 times. Two hours of practice is all it takes, James. You do that, you look at yourself and go, you know this Brendan guy, you think he's onto something. I've never done my introduction 50 times before. This introduction is really shaping up. Never knew I could speak that way. Then tackle the middle. That's the key. Big thanks to Mike and Brendan for their awesome contributions there. Next up, we chat with local CrossFitter David Isaacs on fitness with cystic fibrosis. Callan and I debate our favorite gaming heroes, and Greg Rodesheimer shares some thoughts on investment strategies. Real quick, I want to go back to, before we get to the CrossFit and the Cerberus stuff, I want to go back to the soccer stuff because, you, with, uh, you know, a oh, soccer fan. Uh -huh. um, with soccer, there's a lot of running involved, right? I mean, what, what position did you, were you a midfielder, defender? Like, what um, was your... Growing up, I was mainly an outside mid. So okay. in the wing. Um, as I got into high school, the role kind of evolved to where they wanted me to be in that central mid area. Okay. I kind of, depending on which team I was playing for, whether it was high school or club ball, it, it changed. Obviously, the, the style throughout your season changes. Sure. Um, well, my question was like, you obviously then did a lot of running. So yeah. were you, because you talked earlier about, you know, lung capacity being improved, mm -hmm. like what you had that advantage to be able to run more and yeah. it wouldn't wear you down that essentially. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. wild. So up until about a year ago, it was a little bit of every morning I could feel it mm. once I hit high school. Okay. Like I could feel a little bit, not necessarily a tightness, just it wasn't like how I went to sleep where I was nice and clear and open. So like every day I could feel the difference when I woke up. Sure. Um, but since for the last year, since I started taking this new drug, I don't have any change. I wake sure. up the same as I went to sleep, which is, uh. is so different. And it's like extremely hard to put into words. Sure. It's like the chains have been removed. Okay. So you went from sleeping with like, an anaconda around your chest to yeah. like you got rid of it. That's pretty cool. I kinda like cool. that. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Metaphor. yeah. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. New lease on life kind of stuff, feeling more invigorated, feeling more just, yeah. yeah. I mean, mentally more than anything. Cause physically I was like, I'm fine. Yeah. Like I know I'm fine. The, the test is proving that my lungs are fine. Um, my workouts were 
no different. Um, but I think just waking up and having that mental relief, like if I miss a treatment today, I will be just fine. Mm. So it's, it's That's just been a really cool. big weight off. I was going to say mentally that just in terms of like mental freedom, right. you know, if right. I use those words, like you feel like you can achieve even more now and exactly. conquer more and you can. Exactly. So then let's talk about CrossFit then. So you joined, when did you join CrossFit service? Shoot, it's uh, four. Four years? Four years ago. Okay. Yeah. And so since you joined, um, have you seen like huge improvement in a lot of your, obviously we'll talk about the competitions, but uh-huh. just in your lifts, in your performances, like uh-huh. have you seen that growth because of CrossFit or was it more of like you still have that advantage you can perform at that level? I think it's a mixture of both. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of the mentality, it's it's the exact same. Yeah. I mean, instead of fighting for every ball on the field, it's I'm fighting for every second that I can get okay. faster, mm-hmm. every every lift that I can go heavier, um, more reps. Um, so the mentality side of things is very similar. Mm. All right. My next character... Is a female. Oh. Let's start with that. Dun, dun, dun. She is a highly intelligent and athletic English archaeologist. Oh, this shack's no one. Who <laughs> ventures into hidden tombs to uh, avoid hazardous locations and collect valuable assets what? from across the globe. It she is. ventures into the hidden tombs to avoid? To avoid, well, to mainly collect stuff. Um uh, Gemstones or precious whatevers. I I kind of I kind of wrote this in a bad way. I'm not gonna uh, lie. To avoid hazard, a situation she ventures into a tomb. <laughs> I love it. You know, it. my writing skills sometimes are questionable. I was you reading the back, going like, wait you, a minute, that doesn't make any but sense. But the way the way that you read it, just it it rolls off the tongue so well. <laughs> it makes it lulls you into a sense of like this is the smartest guy I've uh, ever heard. My IQ. Just You're went, basically Neil deGrasse Tyson. I just went way down in the IQ level there. But anyway, British, uh, British and hey, it's a British character. It's Lara Croft. Oh, Lara Croft first appeared in Tomb Raider in 1996 with gigantic breasts. Yes, she um, did. Why they did that, I could not actually figure out. But like, we all loved it. We we all loved it, and Let's I think deep down we know why because <laughs> you know appealing to the male audience. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of whatever. there was. I remember this distinctly because there was a, uh, a a game magazine. I don't I don't think it was Game Informer. But it was kind of like that. One of those. Yeah, it, maybe it was Game Informer. I don't remember. Uh, but they used to do like <laughs> they did a swimsuit edition of like the the like the women of of games of games. Yeah. Oh gosh. Try, trying to copy off of Sports Illustrated and, and Lara Croft. Yeah, and Lara Croft and uh, Blood Rain. I remember those two. Oh I don't remember gosh. any of the other ones, but yeah. Did you play Tomb Raider? I did. Okay. What do you think about the transition? So I've actually got some interesting notes on that. So. I watched a video back yesterday of gameplay of the original Tomb Raider from 1996. Wow. And it's kind of wild how blocky the whole thing mm-hmm. is. Like, it's like, oh, she's going to go into this extravagant cave and avoid all this hazardous stuff. Uh, see, I did it again. Anyway, <laughs> um, but when you go into the cave, it's just like squares. Yeah. It's all like going left, going right, going left. Like, what is this? Anyway, um, I think the character in itself is kind of wild, but the the evolution of the character from then until now is fascinating because clearly they've taken something, you know, they're going for the kind of female heroine. They're going for like the courageous, like the, you know, loves to be in the wilderness. And they've kind of like, 
I don't know, dialed it back a bit. Like, I feel like at first she came across as a complete badass. Like, she had short shorts, she had dual pistols, yeah. and now she's kind of, like, more vulnerable and, uh, more, yeah, and like more timid, maybe. Meek. She's yeah, a meek yeah. Or, or, yeah, timid character. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And so Although, I, when they did that, the whole transition to the, the newer Tomb Raider, which is a blast to play. Yeah. I think it's a great game. Um, it does seem kind of weird because she, at first she's conflicted about killing people mm-hmm. and then she's just over it. And she's like, I'm killing everyone. And now she's a mass murderer. Yeah. With lockdown going on, the buzz that I'm hearing is be very careful about commercial real estate, right? Because I'm working from home. Most people are working from home. Are we going to need the amount of office space buildings that we have prior to all the lockdowns and so on? So that just gives an example of, how you do need to have some understanding of where the investment is that you're wanting to put your money in and where it may be going. And again, what some of those other risks could be. And then really other, I guess, beyond that is individual stocks. Of course, we all hear the stories of, oh, if I bought Amazon 15, 20 years ago, it would be this amount of money. Well, right. And if we all could predict the future, we would all be you know millionaire billionaire <laughs> investors and, and so on but nobody knows that for sure and so mutual funds is not the super exciting way to do it but the idea is you buy a share of that and it's got multiple stocks in it so that you're not just hoping that that one company that you bought especially when you're first investing is either a do or die for that particular stock so once you get to the scenario you mentioned where you've got a decent amount of money, you are investing in those mutual funds and so on so that you're relatively diversified. Yeah. Then you can go and say, you know what? I love Apple or I love whatever company. Um, Tesla, I know has been a really big topic this year. Let me put some money down uh, because it looks like they've dipped and I think they're going to go way up. Mm -hmm. You can do that. I I would suggest that that money should be considered a little bit more play money than what you're doing in those mutual funds or in those ETFs. Um, but that's another way to, to to be investing. Those are really the big ones that at least I have on my radar beyond, let's say, starting a business or something like that, which of course is kind of outside of investing. Mm. So you're saying I should invest in GameStop. Got it. In this last section, Callum breaks down his review on Wonder Woman 1984. I get a fun lesson on listening with Lynn Lindberg, and I share some of those reasons why fitness resolutions are failing you. I don't know where to start. Start at the beginning. You can start at the beginning because the beginning has, I feel like it's supposed to tell a story that is going to make sense later on in the movie. Like, don't don't cheat or you know cheating's bad and if you if you cheat you'll never get ahead in life and okay mm-hmm. and is that like the is that the villain then is the villain cheating to get ahead in life and then he doesn't make it doesn't get and that's the goes power crazy and that's the that's the end like the end wait was that the whole reason of the the whole opening sequence because that I don't get it. I honestly thought that Pedro Pascal's character, was it Max Lord? I thought that was going to be a... Great name, by the way. Yeah. Isn't that kind of like Max Powers from The Simpsons? (laughs) Yes. I thought that was going to be a side plot. I didn't think that he was actually going to be... I hadn't read much about the the pre-press or whatever. 
But I thought he was just going to be a side piece and that Kristen Wiig was, was actually going to be the, the, main, the main the main one, which right. arguably she was a big part of it. But Sure, but she at the same time, it felt like she was kind of a side character. Yeah. Like she was a side character and he was the main villain. And I was very, even seeing Kristen Wiig in this movie, I mean, immediately I was just kind of like, I don't know if this is going to work. No. Like, Ghostbusters. Because Kristen like, Wiig played the same character that Kristen Wiig always plays. That she's good at in a yeah. one-trick pony, didn't yeah. say that. But It's I like Kevin know. Hart. Like, he plays Kevin Hart. Kristen Wiig plays Kristen Wiig. It's the, Melissa McCarthy plays Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Tom Cruise plays Tom Cruise. It's, I mean, in almost every movie. So why the casting then? Like, what were they? I don't get it. What were they thinking? Was it because directed by Patty Jenkins? Got to right. give her, you know, credit for the first one. Sure. But why go in this direction? Like what? And maybe again, there's something I'm missing with the. I don't know the, if it's studio involvement. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's uh, this whole like Donald Trump era because I feel like Maxwell Lord is supposed to be kind of a spin right. on on Trump, right? Sure. With the hair, with the attitude, the ego. Yeah. Uh, he's a con man that you know rises to power, you know, and they're they're trying to hit that angle. I feel like over and over and over in the movie, I don't care. Like that's I just don't thing. care. And I feel like and, they... and that's the main villain. Yeah. That's the best you can do. You don't have like a pantheon of Wonder Woman villains to choose from. You're gonna make Maxwell Lord Trump, and that's the main villain. So one of them is uh, rephrasing and clarifying points, right? So if somebody talks, you let them finish their thought, which is hard to do. You don't have to let them ramble on and on and on and on, you know, because we all have the, you know, <laughs> the uncle, uncle Joe, who just won't ever, you know, be quiet, <laughs> uh, but let them finish their thought. And then before you dive in, with, you know, oh yeah, that reminds me of when I was, you know, skiing in the back country and, you know, but uh, instead clarify their point or rephrase something so they know you really actually understood and heard them. And that's really powerful. Mm. And if you're in a conversation where you really want to get a lot more information out of someone, but you don't want to feel, have them feel pressured, here's one little trick that I use all the time at home. And my, my husband and my boys are like, ah, she did it again. Um, <laughs> and that is, um, if you take the last word or two of the last sentence they said, and this is somebody you're trying to get to, to talk more. This is not the person who just won't stop talking like me right now. If you take the last word or two and repeat it, so if you say, you know, hey, how was your day at school today? Good. Oh, good? Yeah, well, you know, math was just kind of bad. Bad? Well, you know, the teacher, she just didn't like what I did. You did? And and I seriously, you try this. It, it You'll have a hard time keeping a straight face. But just say that last word or two and people can't help themselves. They just continue to talk. I love it. And um, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I should have conversations like that with my wife. If something's wrong and she'll be, you know, kind of short answers will come out. Maybe I should try that. <laughs> See how she responds. <laughs> how she responds? How she responds. How I respond maybe in that moment. <laughs> See how the, the active listening kind of uh, comes to be. But it is fascinating though because sometimes when you're trying to get how someone feels out of someone and maybe you're not listening the way you should be, then that is a good way to kind of key in and get the conversation still kind of moving and flowing and 
ultimately getting everyone's feelings out. I know we're going down, kind of down a different path here, but it all kind of connects. I know, but the reason we went down that path is because I just did it to you, James. You gave a really short example. Yeah, you're going to have to go back and listen, folks. I just did it to him. She got me. He said something <laughs> about his wife, and I said the last two words, and then you went down, and then you're like, wait, we're down this path. Yeah, see, it works. She got me. Uh, <laughs> Good job. <laughs> So let's just jump right in. Number one is having no plan. Just winging it. Just seeing what happens. Just going to the gym, stepping in there. Oh, there's a treadmill free. I'll just walk on that for a couple minutes. That'll get me good to go. Or, oh, there's a bench press. I'll just do a couple of sets and reps here. Knock that out. Feel great. Thank you very much. Fitness resolution is in check. Not quite. So this is one of the things that I see a lot of people come across, especially in the gym here. When New Year starts, you want to be part of that feel-good vibe. You want to go in. You want to know that you're accomplishing something. But ultimately, you've got to think about the long-term success, especially when it comes to fitness. You're not just going to be in it for the short haul. You're not just going to reward yourself in those moments then and there. Yes, it feels great to be there. That's the first step. But ultimately, this is a long game. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I say that phrase to a lot of people and it does ring true because people do almost take for granted how how people need to implement fitness in their life and they think, oh, I'll just need to go here and there and that'll be, that'll be job done, no big deal. But I kind of digress here in the sense that needing a plan is so important because it keeps you on track, it keeps you accountable, it keeps you almost on task. So... Try and avoid just winging it as much as it is fun to go to the gym with your friends. And I will say, obviously, working with each other with fitness goals is great. There can be an element of procrastination when it comes to going with friends because you just hang out, maybe goof around, not really take things too seriously, trying to one-up each other on a cable machine and then nothing really gets properly achieved. And of course, the other thing is, you know, taking classes, like people just, oh, I'll take this class, feel great, see you next week, or I'll take this class. And and again, it's good to kind of try different classes out and see which one works for you, but try and stick to that class, try and go, you know, three times a week to that class, or try and have a plan where you're going so many times a week, just to make you more honest with your fitness goals. And that'll do it. Big thanks to all of our guest speakers this season. Their contributions certainly help inspire, inform, and educate us into becoming better human beings. I can now exclusively reveal that season four will debut on April the 12th. April the 12th. So be sure to mark your calendars for that day. But in the meantime, check out all of our other amazing episodes, including those favorites from the previous two seasons. We have mixes for those seasons as well, so check those out. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening today, and we'll catch you later.